Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. The title for today, How to Get Out of a Mess of Our Own Making. I'll say that again. How to Get Out of a Mess of Our Own Making. 2 Kings 3, we're going to do verses 1 to 25. Put on your seatbelts. So, I don't think anybody can relate to that title, right? Nobody here. But you might know somebody. In fact, it reminded me, I was thinking about it, it reminded me of Kim's first visit to the farm. You know, I'd go up on the farm. And Kim's first visit to the farm, I brought her to the farm, and they got to know her. And and I said, you got to go up on, she went and climbed the silo, you know, but uh, you know those silo stories. But I said, why don't you come up on the roof with me, the barn roof? And so I got, we got a ladder and went up onto the barn roof. And it was romantic up on the barn roof. Here's... Here's the bonanza, you know, bonanza and the, the cattle and smelled and all that. So, uh, but my brother Todd, we didn't realize it, he came and grabbed the ladder and put it in his truck and drove off and left us there without a ladder. So we're stuck up on there and now it's, you know, it's getting late. I'm like, okay, I'll go down this side of the barn. You go down that side of the barn. If you find a way down, let me know and same with me. We'll do that. So, so I went down my side, but Kim went down her side, and my dad saw her up on top of the roof. And, and he's like, Kim, what are you doing on the roof? We go, Chuck and I are up here, but Todd took the ladder. Ah, oh, he's always taking it on me, too. He does the same thing to me all the time. So he says, okay, well, you're going to have to get down, but that's the only ladder I have. So you're going to have to jump. And there was a, a pile of manure right below the <laughs> barn there. And he goes, I want you to jump. You're going to have to jump into it. She says, she's a city girl. You know, Kim, city's looker. She goes, I don't want to jump into that. That, that looks too deep. Too. He goes, oh, no, no, it's not deep. It's not deep. He goes, well, how deep is it? He goes, listen, it's, it's only knee deep. It's only knee deep. She goes, are you sure? He goes, listen, he's taken the ladder on me several times. I use that pile all the time to get down. So it's, it's only knee deep. And so she didn't want to look like a wimpy city girl. So she said, okay, here I go. And she, so she jumped off the barn roof up to her neck in the manure. She's stuck in the manure. And she said, I thought you said it was knee deep. And my dad said, it is if you jump in head first. <laughs> okay, that one is a joke. All the other ones have been doing that, that one's a joke, obviously. Reminding you of the other manure stories I told you that were true, right? But it's not hard to believe almost, right? But many, that's a joke, but many of you here are up to, up to your, stuck up to your necks in a lot of crap. Uh, I know, don't, don't be offended. That's okay where I come from. That's the okay word. There's a lot of ones that we can't use, but that one is okay. So up to your necks, stuck into all this garbage, right? And it's no joke. We're stuck. We feel stuck. But no matter what you're stuck in, no matter how badly you're stuck, no matter how much you've created the mess that you're in, there is hope today from God's word in the life of Elisha. The life of Elisha that we're doing. And how to get out of a, this is about how to get out of a mess even if we made that mess. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the worship. We thank you for bringing us all here today. We pray that you would help each of us, no matter what, where we are in our faith walk, and even if we're really stuck somehow, we pray that this, the word today would encourage us and give us hope that you still have a purpose and a plan for us. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Okay, I'm going to read it. Chapter 3, most of it. We're saving a couple verses for it in two weeks. Don't miss uh, next week, Paul. Two weeks, uh, I'm going to finish this chapter. So you're going to be surprised. But anyway, Second uh, Kings 3, and I'll start with verse 1. Joreb, Joram, son of Ahab, became king of Israel in Samaria in the 18th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, and he reigned 12 years. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord, but not as his father and mother had done. He got rid of the sacred stone of Baal that his father had made. Nevertheless, he clung to the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, which he had caused Israel to commit. He did not turn away from them. Now Misha, king of Moab, raised sheep. And he had to supply the king of Israel with a hundred thousand lambs and with the wool of a hundred thousand rams. But after Ahab died, the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel. So at that time, King Joram set out from Samaria and mobilized all Israel. He also sent this message to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. The king of Moab has rebelled against me. Will you go with me to fight against Moab? I will go with you, he replied. I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. By what route shall we attack, he asked. Through the desert of Edom, he answered. So the king of Israel set out with the king of Judah and the king of Edom. After a roundabout march of seven days, the army had no more water for themselves or for the animals with them. What? exclaimed the king of of Israel. Has the Lord called us three kings together only to hand us over to Moab? But Jehoshaphat asked, is there no prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord through him? An officer of the king of Israel answered, Elisha, son of Shaphat, is here. He used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. Elisha said to the king of Israel, what do we have to do with each other? Go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. No, the king of Israel answered, because it was the Lord who called us three kings together to hand us over to Moab. Elisha said, as, soon, as surely as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, if I did not have respect for the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not look at you or even notice you. But now bring me a harpist. While the harpist was playing, the hand of the Lord came upon Elisha, and he said, This is what the Lord says, Make this valley full of ditches, for this is what the Lord says, You will see neither wind nor rain, yet this valley will be filled with water, and you, your cattle and your other animals will drink. This is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. He will also hand Moab over to you. You will overthrow every fortified city and every major town. You will cut down every good tree, stop up the springs, and ruin every good field with stones. The next morning, about the time for the offering, the sacrifice, there it was, water flowing from the direction of Edom, and the land was filled with water. Now all the Moabites heard that the kings had come to fight against them, so every man, young and old, who could bear arms was called up and stationed on the border. When they got up early in the morning, the sun was shining on the water. To the Moabites across the way, the water looked red like blood. That's blood, they said. Those kings must have fought and slaughtered each other. Now to the plunder, Moab. But when the Moabites came to the camp of Israel, the Israelites rose up and fought against fought them until they fled, and the Israelites invaded the land and slaughtered the Moabites. They destroyed the towns, and each man threw a stone on every good field until it was covered. They stopped up all the springs and cut with stones in place, but men armed with slings surrounded it and attacked it as well. Okay, here we go. Wicked King Ahab's son. 
Joram becomes king of Israel. Now, remember Ahab from Elijah. We did life of Elijah, right? But he's also wicked like his father. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. He's not as bad as his dad, right? He got rid of the Baal idol, but he doesn't get rid of the golden calves. Remember, we've been talking about this as we go, the golden calves. But even getting rid of the Baal stone was probably a fake repentance. And he didn't fool God and he didn't fool Elisha, right? We'll talk about that more in a little bit. But apparently he does fool Jehoshaphat who was a godly king, the godly king of Judah at this time. Remember we talked about him back with the life of Elijah, remember? Jumping Jehoshaphat. Okay, you remember that. All right, uh, for those who are Looney Tune fans, you know what I'm talking about. But uh, we talked about him, and he fools God, the, the Jehoshaphat. Maybe that's even why he got rid of the Baal stone, was to say, hey, look, I'm one of you now. I'm turning to God, right? So he may have tried to fool him. So he's fooled him. Joram invites Jehoshaphat to join the armies to subdue Moab's revolt, which was a sign of God's discipline on Israel. Whenever God starts to discipline a country, he, he, he starts to punish them in different ways and get their attention. And the way, he, and we see that in our country today, don't we? And, and he, this is what he's using, his, his discipline. He, he causes Moab to revolt against them. That was a warning sign. The red light on the engine has come on, right? That was a warning sign. Jehoshaphat doesn't pray about it. He doesn't ask God. He just jumps at the chance. Jumping Jehoshaphat. That's where they get it from, right? Uh, so it's shocking that Jehoshaphat jumps again, right? You would have thought he learned his lesson. Remember we saw he did the same thing with King Ahab. Remember, he jumped into uh, this alliance with him. He jumps and you thought he would have learned his lesson back in 1 Kings 22. The, the Ahab alliance with Ahab was a fiasco. Remember, that's when Ahab was killed in battle because of his sin. And now it's deja vu all over again. Right? Deja vu all over again. He's unequally yoked again. And God disciplines him again. Can you believe this guy needed that? I'm glad we've all evolved past that, that kind of thing. So anyway, uh, and look at the results. They, he ends up with Joram. He ends up with Joram in the desert dying of thirst. They're going to die of thirst. That's where he ends up. And this is, once again, God's discipline again. God's discipline again. And look at verse 10. Let's pick up in verse 10. Where he, where, look at what it says. Uh, this is Joram speaking. He says, what? Exclaimed the king of Israel. Has the Lord called us three kings together only to hand us over to Moab? Joram blames who? God. He blames God. Uh, he blames God for his mistake. We would, we would never blame God for a mistake we make, would we? We would never do that. You, I know nobody here has ever done that before, right? He blames God. He says, God called us here. Did God call them there? No, 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 no. He didn't. They acted in the flesh, and now they're in a mess. Acted in the flesh, in a mess. Verses 11 and 12. But Jehoshaphat asked, Is there no prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord through him? An officer of the king of Israel answered, Elisha, son of Shaphat, is here. He used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. Jehoshaphat said, The word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to meet him. Finally, jumping Jehoshaphat turns to 
God finally turns to God and Elisha for a guidance. But he's a day late and a dollar short. Right? In the desert there, he finally turns to God. But notice the difference. Even though he messed up and Joram messed up, they both messed up here. They're both in the flesh. Notice the difference between them. Joram panics and Jehoshaphat turns to God. The ungodly panic because they don't know where to turn. Look at the coronavirus. <laughs> panic. Freaking out because they don't have a relationship with God. We know we're in God's hands. We know who we can turn to. And, and, but, 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 but we, they don't know where to turn, but we do. We know where to turn in the midst of all that's going on, but we also know where to turn even when we mess up, like Jehoshaphat did. We know where to turn. We, can, we know where to go. We can show others who to go to. Even when we mess up, we know to go to God for his mercy and grace. We can show them that. We can show people how we respond to what's going on out there, the craziness. It should be different. We go to God. We turn to God. We trust God. We leave ourselves in God's hands. And we can show other people how to do that. Very Same thing with this whole virus and all the other things going on. We can show God who to turn to. And then look at uh, verse 13 and 14. Elisha said to the king of Israel, What do we have to do with each other? Go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. No, the king of Israel answered, because it was the Lord who called us three kings together to hand us over to Moab. Elisha said, As surely as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, if I did not have respect for the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not look at you or even notice you. So notice something. Elisha slams Joram, but he's going to respond because of JJ, jumping Jehoshaphat, okay? She'll call him JJ. He's going to respond because of JJ. There's a lesson for us here. We are God's children. God listens to our prayers. Even when we mess up. God's not surprised when we mess up. He expects it. He knows we're going to mess up. When your kids mess up, and they get into trouble, and they get in a mess, and they come to you, do you say, oh, no, no, you did that, you're going to have to deal with that. Well, sometimes uh, with discipline, we, we have to let them go through something, which we'll talk about. But we still listen and we still try to guide them through that discipline process and, and moving forward, right? Because they're our children. And we are God's children. And, and, and we, he listens even when we mess up. And not only that, he will use that mess up. We are vessels of mercy. We are vessels of mercy. God listened to JJ and helped the, the army of Israel and Judah, all because of Jehoshaphat being a child of God. He, was a, he became a vessel of grace, and we're to be the same thing. God will, even, God will use us to be vessels of grace where we are in our communities in the, in the United States today. Do we need grace in our country, God's mercy and grace today? Yeah. And we are the, those vessels of grace. God will still use us. And, and touch other people, just like he used Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was God's son, and as a result, he was able to bless all the different people there, giving them victory. Now let's look at what happens next. Verse 15. 
But now bring me a harp. While the harpist was playing, the hand of the Lord came upon Elisha, and he said, This is what the Lord says, Make this valley full of ditches. For this is what the Lord says, You will see neither wind nor rain, yet this valley will be filled with water, and you, your cattle, and your other animals will drink. This is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. He will also hand Moab over to you. You will overthrow every fortified city and every major town. You will cut down every good tree, stop up all the springs, and ruin every good field with stones. And that's exactly what happened. You already read it to you earlier. That's exactly what happened. They had this amazing victory. Amazing. But... Sometimes we focus on the victory and we miss a very important middle piece to that puzzle. And that is, they first had to dig. They had to dig. Uh, on the farm, we, uh, reminds me of what we did on the farm, we, we would do something called tiling because the fields were, would get, you know, wet and too wet. And, and so we had this, this guy had this special machine. It, it would drive kind of like a tractor, but it had this big digging wheel on it, and it would dig these, these uh, ditches, like about, about this high, about four feet deep. And as, he, as it dug, the guy would lay down. He would be sitting in this little chair at the, in, in, down in the, the trench that he was digging, and he would lay these ceramic these tiles down. You know, some of you may have seen the tiles. And he would lay these tiles down as he went. And there was a little bit of space in between them. And as he did that, then it would lay this cloth over top of it, and, and then the water and time would seep through that cloth and through those little cracks and get into the tiles and flow out. And we thought this was so cool, we would follow the machine all around, and, and we would jump down in the hole and follow. But we had to be careful, because if you broke the tiles, that was bad, 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 messed everything up, right? So we had to be really careful. And then our job was to go along afterward and push dirt in on top, but no stones, because if we pushed stone in, it would crack the tile. We had to push this layer of, of dirt on top of the tile so that it would cover it protectively. And then my dad would come with the tractor bucket and fill it in with a tractor bucket and smooth it over. He would follow along with, with that. And that, that was our job was to, to do this. And my dad did this to most of the fields on the farm to get rid of excess water. The water would seep in. And later on, the, the, instead of tiles, they would lay this, I remember later on, it was a plastic tubing with these little holes in it everywhere. And that's what the water would seep through that, those holes into the plastic tubing, and it would go out into the creek. And it would get rid of excess water. And no matter how wet it was, our farm was... My dad could get... Other farmers would be stuck out in the tractors. Never got stuck on the tractor, right? Got stuck on the tractors. And I wish Josh was here for this one. But the, the tractors, and they would get stuck. But my, our fields were pretty good. There was a few wet spots. For the most part, it was raining and wet. My dad could still plow. He could still plant. He could still harvest. Other people stuck for another month he, because he made sure he tiled those fields. Now, he did this to get rid of the water. But the army that we are looking at digging their ditches do it to get water. They're trying to get some water. They're trying to get the, this miracle water. It was a miracle. It was in a desert. There was no water. Didn't matter how dig, deep you dug, there wasn't going to be any water. This was miraculous water. But there was no trenching tractor. There was no trenching machine. They had to dig it by hand. Literally. 
These guys, this was an army. They weren't carrying shovels around. There was no, you know, there was no trench warfare at this time. They were carrying swords. They were probably digging, digging and trying to loosen up the sand. And then they were like scooping it with their hands. You know, they, they had to, they had to probably dig this literally by hand. And why? God could have just sent rain. He could have just sent a flood anytime. But no, he makes them dig all day in the hot sun by hand. Think about that. It reminds me of that movie Holes. Remember the movie Holes? The book Holes, the kids' movie years ago. The kids digging out. They, they did something wrong and they're out digging these holes in, in that, you know, that desert area. It reminds me of that. That's what it was like for these guys. Why? Because this was God's discipline. This was God's discipline. First, he lets them get stuck in the desert and be dying of thirst. Right? That was God's discipline. And now he makes them dig. Discipline. Discipline. This had to be brutal. Have you ever been at the beach digging in the hot sand when it was really hot? You know, and it burns your hands. You don't want to walk on it. But if it gets too hot, what do you do? Take a, get some water, drink it, and you jump in the ocean. It's great. You know, it's no big deal. You want to be hot at the beach. These guys, there was no ocean. There was no water. They were thirsty. And there was no way to cool off. And yet, th- this is what, it had to be brutal. But these, these guys were already very thirsty. There's no water at all. And now they've got to dig some more and get even thirstier. And now, when at the end of their rope, at the end of the rope, God tells them, start digging. He's driving a lesson home to them. He's driving a lesson home to them. Every shovel or really handful, every handful was a reminder that, hey, remember this the next time you're tempted to jump. The next time you're tempted to act in the flesh. The next time you're, you're tempted to do something without my giving the okay and saying, yeah, that's a good idea. Remember that. Because you're going to remember digging in the, in the desert with your bare hands looking for, you know, preparing for water. Remember this. He was doing this. And then... What does God do? He sends the rain, right? He sends the water, right? Oh, he tells them, go to bed. Now go to bed. They went to bed even thirstier, hotter. Can you imagine going to bed just dying of thirst after you've just dug in the desert all day? Can you imagine what that had to be like? They had to wait till the morning <laughs> for the water, right? God could have sent water immediately, couldn't he? Ditch his dog. I did what you said, God. He could have just sent it. No, he keeps them waiting. Makes them wait. Why? To teach them and us. Teach them and us next time, wait for me. <laughs> You're going to have to wait a little longer for the water? Remember, wait for me. Listen to me. Pray to me. And then, nobody here can relate to any of that, can you? None of us have any... We've never done anything like that. God has never had to put us through that kind of discipline. Never kept us in that dry, hot waiting time to teach us that refining time. Never, nobody here, but you might know somebody like that. Anyway, we'll move on. Verse 20. The next morning, about the time for, the offering, for offering the sacrifice, there it was, water flowing from the direction of Edom, and the land was filled with water. Then, after the discipline, 
after the obedience, after they've turned to God finally, then God sends miraculous water. And then we know the rest of the story. He sent them this blessing. He sent them victory, 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 an amazing victory. After that, then. But let's not miss something that's very, very important. Let's not miss when he sends the miraculous water. It was the time of the morning offering and sacrifice. The time of the morning offering and sacrifice we find commanded in Exodus 29, verse 38. This is what you are to offer on the altar regularly each day. Two lambs, a year old, offer one in the morning and the other at twilight. A lamb had just been offered the time of the morning offering. This is, that's exactly when the water comes. This is no coinkadink. There are no coincidences in the Bible. The lamb represents Jesus Christ. And his sacrifice of the lamb represents Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for our sin. Because we've messed up. Because we're stuck in a mess. We have all made a mess of our life. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We have all made a mess of our life. We have rebelled against God our Father. Sin separates us forever from God. And alienates us from everybody else too. You talk about the coronavirus. You know, the the coronavirus, if if you have the coronavirus, nobody wants to go near you. Right? If I said, oh, (coughs) oh, by the way, I tested positive. Everybody would clear out, right? But not only that, the people with a coronavirus can't land. They're on these ships, these cruise ships, and they can't land. They thought they were having the time of their life, but they're alienated. They cannot land. And that's what the sin virus has done to us. We can't land. We cannot come to God. We are cut off from God, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We can't get to heaven. We can't have a relationship with God right now. We have a sin virus that has separated us from God. We are we were doomed. We were doomed to live our lives in a hopeless desert and doomed to spend an even hotter eternity. Somewhere much hotter than that. But God made a way for us out of the out of this mess that we've made. He made a way for us out of the desert. He made a way for us to to, to out of the desert through the sacrifice of the lamb. The sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ. For God, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God gave his son, Jesus, to die on the cross, to be sacrificed in our place, to take our punishment, to take our virus on himself, to take our curse on himself. We've been talking about that. No matter what mess you have made of your life, no matter what you have done, how horrible it could be, you, we can all be forgiven. We can all be given a brand new life in Jesus Christ. We can be given life-giving water. Another verse forward here in John 4.4 4 says this. John 4.4, 4, Jesus says... But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. 
Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Because of what Jesus did on the cross dying for us, we can have this water of life by putting our faith in Jesus Christ, by putting our faith in his sacrifice for us. Every one of us can be cured of that sin virus and be given life now and forever through him. Do you have that life? Do you have that life by faith in Jesus Christ? And even as Christians, after we've taken that step, I know many of us are here are Christians, even as, after we become a Christian, we can still get into a mess, can't we? <laughs> we can still act in the flesh. We can still end up unequally yoked somehow, just like junk, jumping Jehoshaphat. We can still do something in the flesh. We can still find ourselves in the desert, in a dry place spiritually, in a tough spot under God's discipline. Do I have an amen? (laughs) So often we make bad decisions in the flesh with no prayer. And we go against God's word. It could be in our business. It could be in our our college. It could be in our school. It could be in buying a house. It could be taking a job. It could be who we date or who we marry. It could be a friendship. It could be a team we join. It could be anything we do in the flesh. And we find ourselves in a place we don't really want to be. God is disciplining. Maybe God is disciplining you right now. Shovel by shovel. No, handful after handful of sand, right? Or you're up to your neck in it. Up to the neck. Will we humble ourselves? Learn from this. Learn from this passage here. Learn from it. Humble ourselves. Patiently wait for God's refining to finish. They had to dig, 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 dig. They had to sleep, sleep on it. Patiently waiting for his, God's refining to finish up so that we won't forget. If God just keeps yanking us out of something, think of your kids. You can yank them out of trouble every time. What are they going to do? Jump right back in. But by making us wait, God knows the perfect time for us to really learn our lesson. Really learn our lesson. He, he knows. He knows. And after, our, after we've learned the lesson, then we go, that we've learned to go to God constantly now. <laughs> Not just when we're in trouble, but we learn to go to God constantly now for His mercy and grace. Hebrews 4, 14 to 16. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Now, here we go. Here we go. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We've learned now to go to the throne of grace for mercy and grace. Mercy is the forgiveness. Grace is the help that we need to not keep messing up. We've learned to go to him after we fall, while we're falling, before we jump into the mess. We want to back it up each time, right? We've learned to just completely depend on his mercy and grace. And now he's ready to to move us forward in blessing and and victory. But we got to go through it. God's grace can turn everything. Any mess, any mess we made into something positive. How many times have I used this verse, Romans 8, 28? And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his good purpose. Did I mess up the different versions there? Yeah, I got it, okay. 
I got it memorized in like three different versions there. But, but we know that in all things, God works to the good of those who love him. He works for the good. He brings good out of anything that we've done. And this is the thing that I'm going to leave you with. God often uses our mess for his message. Right? Our mess is God's message. The very area that we mess up the worst is the very area God uses us to touch other lives. It's the very area that he brings grace to others stuck in the same mess that we were in. Right? Think of all the different ministries. Think of all the testimonies we have here and all the different ministries you guys are involved in. Usually it's connected to something you've really messed up in. And God has given you mercy and grace. It's amazing how, how God does that. I know with losing our, our son Ryan. What a mess. But God has, has used that to connect us to so many other parents living in the shadows and pain. It's shocking how we all are. But it's shocking the stories that we've heard that nobody else could be trusted with. They felt like. God uses our worst mess for his message if we turn to him for his mercy and grace. Let's pray. As we go to this time of prayer, I just want to remind you, we always have a prayer team. I'm up in one corner, the prayer team's in the other corner. If you ever need someone to pray with during the prayer, during... Worship, closing worship afterward. People come up all the time for lots of prayer. The teams will be up here for praying. How is God speaking to us as we go to this prayer? Maybe you're in a desert right now. How is God disciplining us right now? Will we keep digging? Keep digging for his mercy and grace. It's there. While we're praying about that, I want to ask those who are here aren't Christians yet. You've never put your faith in Jesus. Are you sick of living in the desert? Are you ready for living water? Are you ready for life? Real life. Now and forever. You can have that right now. By faith. In Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Are you ready to pray a prayer of faith? Faith in Jesus. Just say, God, I, I know I have a virus. I have a sin virus. I got a, 
I have the shame and the sin and the garbage in my life. I need Jesus. I need Jesus to forgive me. I know he died on that cross for me. To cure my sin virus. I repent of that old life. I reject that sin virus. my faith in Jesus. I'm giving my life to him. you have prayed that prayer of faith and you have just received a flood of living water you've received the Holy Spirit you've received a new life in Jesus Christ your life will never be the same I want to encourage you if you've taken that step of faith that you tell somebody today Maybe you have a friend or a family member here. Tell them today. Maybe you tell me on the way out. Fill out the card. Text me. Email me. But let someone know because we're going to be so excited for you and encourage you in your new life in Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that this morning that we would all have hope no matter what mess we're in, no matter what mess we have created ourselves. I pray that each person here would live with, leave with hope and live with hope. Pray that in Jesus' name.